0: Start the start, 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 start the show.
1: Everybody, welcome to another episode of Lem Me. No, I'm your host, Angel Lem. Today I'm sitting with dandy Gahili. He is a clinical therapist who serves children and adolescents in the foster care system in the Chicago area. He's also the author of My Friend Has Autism, but he is no different from me. He also wrote I am me PLC. He just came out with a new book, a simple book on how to be you can find all his books now on amazon.com you can find him on dguhild on instagram that's d-g-u-h-i-l-d-e and that way you could go directly to his link tree and find out more about him the the two links for his books as of the day of recording his link tree isn't updated but i'm sure once this episode is released a, you'll be able to find this other book this interview was super fun this actually i believe is the first time i, I record with somebody not only out of state but from chicago it was good getting to know dundee i had fun doing this i i found out about him through instagram i saw a post and you know first of all like me being a person of color i decided you know let me check this out and i i loved it i loved his message so i decided you know what let me ask him on and thankfully he agreed and Hopefully you guys go support him. I strongly believe he basically built the the Infinity Stone of books because once you collect them all, it'll turn you into a better person. Not I know the Infinity Stones were like bad, but it's actually depending on the person that's holding them. That's something else. But yeah like you become an old rounded person a well-rounded person at the end make sure you check out his website make sure you go grab his book and for me uh, i just want you guys to add me on instagram add me at let me know pod also make sure you leave a review on itunes five stars please and just write me some words it makes me feel good and makes me feel like i'm doing the right thing when you write nice things and if if you don't want to that's fine but I prefer if you did and also I have merch on teespring.com make sure you grab yourself a shirt uh, I do have hats um, they're limited right now I only have one so extremely limited so if you would like one let me know I, I don't want to talk too much I want you guys to know more about Dundee and hopefully you guys enjoy this episode thing What's up everybody welcome back so today i'm sitting with Dundee gahili he's a clinical therapist and the author of my friend has autism but he's no different from me and he's just came out with the second book i am poc so first of all how are you
2: i'm good i'm good and the book is actually i am me poc
1: oh i am me poc sorry i didn't write the me down sorry sorry about that um so yeah so first of all you know my my first question out the gate you know i like to get to know you so um but before that actually so how are you you know you're a therapist and i my in my opinion like people in the in the health field are the hardest you know like when either you're a doctor or a nurse and you get sick, um, they're the the hardest ones to, you know, they they worry the most. And as a mental, like uh, somebody that works with therapy, like right now with these issues that we're facing, you know, like mental health is something that's very important. So um, I I wanna know how you're doing with all that.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, it's been a lot these last three months, Um, you know, with the quarantine, the shelter in place, then the protests, Uh, so, Within the last two weeks, I would say I've been feeling pretty just heavy.
0: Uh Um,
2: A lot of angst, uncertainty. Uh, I would say during the first two weeks of quarantine, I was fine. I was, you know, okay. As a professional, I got to work from home. You know, I was conducting sessions uh, via telehealth. So, Mm -hmm. what that is is basically just a video call between me and the client. Most of my clients are children right now, I do have a couple of adults, mm-hmm. um, so it, it was fine the first two weeks, but then it became, it became isolating, so working from home, you know, I was not around people, I was, you know, sometimes I was by myself if my partner wasn't here, mm-hmm. um, and I would be doing work, but I wasn't interacting with, you know, my colleagues if I was in the office. You know. If I would have been in the office, I would have been talking to my colleagues or my supervisor or just seeing people walk around. But um, working from home has been kind of been isolating. And it's a lot for a mental health clinician, a therapist, because, you know, we are in the helping field. So we're helping individuals increase their positive mood or get over depression or recover from trauma. But as we, the clinicians, are going through our own angst or uh, despair throughout, like this quarantine, um, and we're experiencing isolation. We're experiencing our own sadness, our own grief and loss. Uh, we become, you know, well, I, I can only speak for me, but I, I've become more, I guess, more aware of focusing on my own self-care so I can sustain and increase my own positive mood. Um, so I felt
1: like that was a lot. <laughs> no, no, that's great. Like, I mean, I agree with you. Like, I guess right now we're forced with being by, on our own. So, and like, as humans, like we are we like to interact with people. So telling us like not to to be social, like, as you could tell, like on the news, like people are like blowing back, They're like, no, you're taking our rights. But I feel like some of them just don't understand. You know, the issue isn't about you getting sick. It's about, taking in my opinion taking the bed from somebody that actually is going to need it you know you're taking their spot when you could all you have to do is not go out or not socialize for like a little bit this is not going to be forever just give give on um, the people are working on a vaccine or on the medicine to like to go to work and actually not be rushed because you know like if you're rushed then you might not give the right medication and you know all medication has side effects and the side effects might be worse than the sickness. So you just got to, you know, just got to give it time. But yeah, right, right. I totally, I totally understand, you know, like, like, um. also like, I want to know how it's affecting the the population. I know you work, you said you work with children and adults, like, like how is it affecting the children? You know, like seeing what's going on with the protest and just them not being able to socialize with their, with their peers at school, you know, that they have to like right now they're doing their schooling through zoom or, or their parents are teaching them, but how is it affecting them?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's affecting my my kids, my uh, clients who are children. It's affecting them in different ways. So some, you know, aren't aren't too aware of the situation. They they're just aware of like there's a virus out there that's pretty dangerous, or that the protests are happening and that's dangerous. Um, but the way it's affecting them is, is is it varies. So sometimes, or for 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 example, one of my kids. Who I give therapy to doesn't have resources or just the proper technology to continue doing school Mm -hmm. online. So, you know, that they uh, learning is put to a halt or their own learning and development is put to a halt due to the pandemic because they don't have, you know, um, a laptop that can have these, you know, video call capabilities. So they can't. Uh, go to school right now they're stuck at home they can't leave the house a lot of them are bored to my kids uh, who i have all they talk about is how bored they've become you know it's just it's affecting them in different ways
1: yeah yeah well um yeah like sometimes i wish i had the resources to just help everybody you know like provide those laptops because you know now like we're seeing that like internet's not a luxury anymore it's something that everybody needs and having a working laptop that like it's functionable now with like like everything like with the camera being able to like have it the mic built in into the laptop like that's all necessary it's not like now it's not an option you know you need that you need a car now because like they're like some people are really far away from where they um from the grocery stores or their their doctor so like taking the bus you know like I feel like that's a huge like putting yourself in danger taking the bus. You don't know like who's in the bus if they're taking the, the care of themselves. And like I know uh, Chicago like that's where you live, correct?
2: Right, right. yep. And yep.
1: I know like public transportation is like, like very it's big over there and like, it's actually one of the best, you know? So like yep. but like still, you know, like there's overpopulation in most cities and like some like, you know, obviously like the public transportation is the like the thing that everybody's using, but at the same time, like they're putting their health at risk to, you know, to earn a living. And a lot of them even like lost their jobs. So yeah, like I wish I had the resources to help everybody, but I'm just a little, I'm a small little app, you know, trying to put in work. (laughs) absolutely
2: right though. You know, um, it's, it's risky to go on public transportation right now to take the train to take the bus, um, it was risky a month ago. It was even more risky two months ago. Yeah. As things are, as shelter-in-place is lifting up, nobody really knows what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, those the virus is still out there, even though it's warm here in Chicago. You know, doesn't mean that the virus has necessarily gone away. Yeah. Um, and people are out of jobs still. You know, you know, during the pandemic, a lot of people have lost their jobs, have gone on unemployment, but that's all about to end soon too. Now, you know, mm-hmm. it's like. The, the extra 600 in that stimulus check is ending in July. So a lot of people are kind of freaking out right now yeah. um, about money and getting employment. So,
1: Yeah, yeah. And so tell us a little bit about yourself. I think we got a little deep in there, but I um, want you just tell us, you know, like tell us about yourself, yeah.
2: Sure, sure. So I was born here in Chicago. My family, my mom and dad are from the Philippines. So I'm a first generation American, mm-hmm. Filipino American. Um, and right now I am in my thirties, um, a veteran. I served in the U S air force reserves from the age of 19 to about 25. And I was honorably discharged. Um, I went to college throughout my military career, got my bachelor's and I got my first master's after, uh, the, the military. And I got my second master's um, in clinical mental health counseling right after that. But, um, as you can see, you know I'm 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 brown. I'm, I have black hair, almond eyes. So even though I was a first-generation American, even though I am a citizen, and sometimes I, I feel like I'm not an American, you know. So um, a lot of work that I do right now is is working. I work with a lot of people of color, mostly black people, um, also Hispanic individuals. Um, and just, again, a lot of POC individuals. So uh, a lot of work that I do is, is for underrepresented communities. Um, when I was in grad school, I used to also, I, I worked for uh, a nonprofit around the city in the area that, uh, that catered or that served LGBTQ individuals. So um, I feel like I'm a well-rounded uh, clinician when it comes to marginalized communities um yeah so uh, my identity is a huge part of me so um, i identify as an lgbtq uh, male um, cisgender male um, and again i'm a poc so yeah i mean i i feel like even during this time i'm more aware of my differences i'm more aware of my identity i'm more aware of of, you know, my brown skin, my black hair, um, especially throughout these uh, these protests, you know, I'm, I'm more aware of, you know, basically that I'm different, that I'm not white, basically.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, like, I honestly, like, well, my girlfriend's Filipina and um, yeah, like, I think like me- me- Hispanics, me- like Mexican, I'm a Mexican, I'm Mexican. So Like Mexicans and Filipinos, like we're so close, like we're so similar. Like our foods are basically like the same. You guys have, like your 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 um the names for your foods are this like in Spanish basically, and I think it's because you guys got um colonized, I think, by the Spaniards, right? So like that's why we're so similar. But yeah, I mean, when you think poc you like over here at least, like you just think about Hispanics. But you kind of forget sometimes that, like, there's, like, everybody's in between, you know, like, Filipinos, oh, yeah. like, you know, so, yeah, like, I, I mean, I I love Filipino food. So, like, I, if you got good food, I can't hate on you. And I'm not a hater, you know, at all. So, you know, but, like, I guess my, my question is, like, what got you into, like, what made you want to go into the military? Or, yeah, yeah.
2: So to be honest, what got me into the military was uh, suppression of my own self, suppression of my identity. I thought going into the military would sort of be some sort of conversion therapy for me, mm-hmm. where I thought it would masculine, masculinize me or make me into a, a quote unquote man. You know, I thought I thought I could uh, work the gay out of me or, or get the gay yelled out of me by Drill instructors, you know, so I had a really hard time growing up um, in a in a in a family that's very conservative and very uh, ethnically, I guess, pure, culturally pure, where being gay was not accepted. So my intention was to go into the military, hopefully, um, you know, turn it straight, and then hopefully. Or, or again, my intention was to hopefully turn straight and then find a woman that I can marry and live my life as a straight man. But you know, that didn't, ha- that didn't happen. So I ended up doing a six year enlistment. Um, but during that six year enlistment, I feel like I, I learned a lot about myself. Um, and then I did come out um, of the closet uh, while I was in the military because I started to become more comfortable with who I was. Um, and it led
1: me to where I am today. Yeah, and, I mean, I guess it was a good thing because you, you started, like, getting confident of who you, your real identity, you know? So once you came out, you found out, you know what, like, there's really no changing, you know? This isn't something I could choose to do or, like, to like or how I feel. And that's great. I mean, uh, that's great, even though I'm sure it wasn't hard uh, being a person of color and, on top of that, uh, being queer, it you know, like, can you tell us about your experiences with that? Like being a person of color and queer on top of that? Yeah,
2: absolutely. Absolutely. So I like to think of any kind of label that's not normal. So like, if you're not straight, if you're not a white man, if you're not, you know, quote unquote normal, you, you receive a, a layer or a barrier. So every, every other label that you are, you get like a glass ceiling. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you've heard that term, but a glass ceiling is basically a, uh, an imaginary ceiling that prevents you from achieving something. Um, So being a person of color, I had to, you know, do extra to prove who I was, uh, to prove my competencies or my abilities to my employers. You know, being gay, I had to act a certain way so that people wouldn't discriminate about me being too effeminate or me being um, too flamboyant. So I had to act a certain way, especially when I was in the military. So being a person of color who is also a gay man, you know, I had to do extra just to prove my competencies um, to my employers who were typical um, individuals or quote-unquote normal individuals because I felt like, you know, um, I was being looked at uh, with more of a magnifying glass than, you know, my my, uh, white counterparts who were straight or... Um, "Quote unquote," again, normal. So, being a POC and being a gay male has created more barriers for me. Um, You know, I I have two master's degrees right now, and I feel like you know I'm just on par with somebody who, with a with a white guy who has, um, you know, a bachelor's degree or even a high school diploma, as far as like uh, professional work field goes, or as far as uh, accomplishment in the work field goes. So I had to achieve more. I feel like to, to be, I, I guess you know, middle class. Where, if someone was in my position who were white and had two master's degrees, I don't know where they would be. But um, I'm sure. I don't know. I can't really. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah I Like. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. But yeah, I mean, I feel like, I have to work extra just to be where I'm at. You know.
1: Yeah. yeah and that, that. I mean, that definitely that's good but it does suck when you compare it to somebody like that's white like they don't have to try as hard and that's on our mind we always have to like we have to like i guess like we're looking for acceptance in the world mm-hmm. and we feel like if we work harder then we'll be accepted but i mean as we could tell right now that that's not the reality like we're still not the same when you look at us like politically. And now in the streets, you know, like you being from Chicago, and I know there's a lot of a high um, crime rate and it's mostly people of color, you know, that live there. And the people that are policing us are mostly white, you know, for okay. the most part. And even the people that are in the like in the, like law enforcement, you, they, they have the same, you know, they think the same as us, you know, like us as being civilians, or, I mean, you being a veteran, you kind of understand, like, like you want to fit in. You don't want to stand out. You want to seem seen, like, as they equal. So as, like, you could tell, like, with the death of George Floyd, that kind of sparked that, you know, that we were already hot as it was. Like, we were staying home. You are telling us, the government was telling us not to go anywhere, shutting people down. But now you got this issue where, like, that police brutality on top of that. And I, I could see that, you know, like, like I just mentioned, like being in the law enforcement, like you don't you want to a brotherhood and as brothers, they want to be equal. But, you know, like you, you see that even there, like they're really not like, like still white still rules, you know, over everything. So um, you being a veteran, I wanted to ask what your opinion was on like the issues that are going on. Like you fought for this country, like you fought for the flag. So. Like, I wanted to know your perspective of what's going on. And on top of that, like the kneeling, like, I guess a lot of white people are saying that that's unpatriotic and you're, if you fought for this country and you're needing, you're disrespecting them. So like, what's your opinion on that?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, so in regards to fighting for this country, you know, I, I did serve for six years, but I never went to war. So okay. I didn't necessarily quote unquote fight, but I did serve
1: or oh, represent this country.
2: Yeah, I did represent the country and I served as, a, as an Airman. Mm-hmm. Um, I never went to war, though. So I'm, I'm very lucky for that, because if I did, I would have probably be a, I'd probably be a different person. <laughs> but um yeah, it's, it's different now because when I was in it, when I was in the military, I was very proud of myself. I was like, I'm doing something for this country, you know, I'm quote unquote serving this country and, you know, I'm, I guess, a part of this country and I kind of did feel like I was a part of this country, but after the military, you know, when I got out, even a couple of years afterwards, I was just another POC again. I was, you know um i wasn't looked at as a veteran unless i was in uniform or i wasn't looked at as a serviceman unless, unless i was in uniform so take that away take the uniform away i'm a poc again i'm a asian american again i'm just an asian again you know i'm a brown person again so um wearing the uniform i felt a part of this country i felt you know i felt with this country but when i took that off i was just another brown person who is not a part of this country i am a citizen but i do feel and get treated like a foreigner at times you know sometimes you get those microaggressions sometimes i get those microaggressions where someone will come up to me and say you know what what language do you speak or where are you from and it's like man you know i'm from here i <laughs> speak i speak english i don't speak anything else and they get surprised and it's like you know, I think to myself, why can't a brown person be from this country, be born from this country and only speak English? Why do we have to be some sort of exotic creature that speaks a foreign language? You know, just because we don't look a certain way doesn't necessarily mean we're not from here. Um, so I started, you know, coming into my own after the military and realizing, you know, like, I, even though I was born here, I'm not necessarily treated like I was from here. So. I started putting my patriotism, um, I guess, in the closet, I would say, you know, I I was starting to come out of the closet, literally me being a POC gay man. I was coming out of the closet and putting my patriotism, is that the the right word? Patriotism. (laughs) Putting that into the closet, you know, I was was literally changing identity. But as I was changing identity, I feel like I was coming into my own identity, which is the real me, Mm -hmm. you know, brown person and all. Again, I was putting that uniform literally into the closet, and I was coming out of the closet as my own, you know, person, as who I really am. So, when I look at that kneeling, um, like Colin Kaepernick, when I look at that, you know, taking a knee and protesting against the flag, you know, I, I, I kind of, I, I resonate with that. It's like I, me, person, me, a person of color serve this country was willing to go to war for this country uh the country kind of treats not saying everyone in the country but the majority of people in this country treat brown people black people as foreigners or not you know people that don't belong here so when that whole thing when colin kaepernick took a knee um i you know i i was i was all for that i was like even now like i when i was in the military i would put up the american flag in my bedroom you know but now it's like i don't i don't identify with that i don't resonate with the american flag um i am a citizen again but i don't resonate with being from this country You know, i have roots from the philippines my parents are from the philippines i'm a filipino before i am an american so yeah i I do I have put away my nationalistic ideas um, after the military, especially uh, just being who I am and being treated the way that I was, uh, nothing bad, just, you know, just the microaggressions again, just, just feeling othered all the time.
1: So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that definitely, like, I, I mean, I can't say that I could relate because I didn't fight or I didn't enlist, but... Yeah, I mean, I understand that. Like, me, you don't have an accent like, at all. Like, I have an accent. I was born in this country. But when I speak, I get the same thing just because, like, how I look. And I'm a little bit, like, you get to, You it's kind of, like, if I shut my mouth, then I could pass for white a little bit, just a little bit. But, I mean, once I open my mouth, they're like, okay, well, we're, you're definitely not from here. Like, you don't speak like us. And that sucks. Like, I mean, I, I was born here. Like, what makes you better than me just because I'm you're like lighter than me and you speak better like at the end of the day like we're all equal here or that was what this country stood for to begin with but but I guess somewhere it changed when like people started getting more power and wanting more power over others and when they saw that they needed like this country was built on slavery basically or um oppression so I guess they know that like we need to keep them oppressed so they could work harder for us and we could get more from them. So it's a sad thing, but, you know, like like hopefully it changes, you know, with, with everything that's going on. And, like, taking the knee is like a micro-protest, pro- you know. It's a little thing. Like, it's not bothering anybody, but it's sad that it, it took people to riot and to do all this. But, I mean, you, if you look at it, like, it kind of worked. You know, you right. can't say it didn't because, people like, laws are changed being changed as we speak Money's being taken from like like police and being funded for other things that are also as e- like as important like education mental health and things like that that it's going to benefit the community where the police was like i mean it was it started as a like wrangler for african americans for like slaves basically and when you look at how it was built on hate and we still keep it around like this is something that was built on hate we need to find something that like not saying that to completely get rid of the police but maybe maybe find give them like different departments where they specialize on certain things and send out those those police officers to help the certain situations you know i, I feel like you're putting a lot on police officers and it shows, you know, some of them can't handle the power and they're abusing it. And they know that because they they're supposed to stand out together, they're not going to get any blowback from the authority or from the government because they represent the government. So but hopefully it changes, you know,
2: I know. And I agree with you, the, the redistribution of resources and funds to other sects of society, you know, to other um Areas of society. So, taking, you know, the term defunding the police, I I like to think that means taking some of the funds that are given to the law enforcement and redistributing out to society resources to better serve the community. So
1: okay. Yeah. Well. Um. Well, let's get out of that topic. Like, I, I think we, we were kind of deep. We were they dove in pretty deep. So, um, let talk about let's talk about your first book, right? My, my friend has autism. But it's no different from me, correct? right?
2: Right. So, I uh, when I got into the social services field, I, I worked at a school for children with autism. Um, and prior to working with the school, I had no idea what um, what living with autism looked like. So all I saw was what the media showed us, which was, you know, just. Um, individuals with uh mental health issues and to me that was that was a little intimidating going into the field so i didn't know what to expect my first week working with the kids you know was 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 uh, life-changing for me you know i started to realize these are these kids are just like everyone else these kids are not you know what you see on the media of how the media portrays individuals with disabilities or um diagnoses you know or disorders you know um these these individuals, individuals with, uh, um, with disabilities or with uh, uh, a disorder of um, uh, mental health disorder or uh, just a diagnosis from the DSM, these individuals are normal people. So I was inspired to write a book to sort of spread the word and sort of increase normalization for children with autism. Mm-hmm. I worked in the school for, in that school, for about a year and a half and throughout the year and a half I just uh, established some great connections with the students and realized that these students, you know, society gives them li- limitations but these students rise above the limitations if you just give them your patience and understanding and acceptance, you know. So that book was sort of an ode to the experience that I had working uh, at the school Um, because all those students I considered you know after I worked in the school I you know they weren't students they were my friends you know like those little kids were going to grow up to be adults and I you know dedicated that book to them to sort of increase advocacy for students or for children with autism but also to increase normalization and increase inclusion for children with autism within the the typical quote-unquote typical society
1: Mm -hmm. In, in your opinion do you think that we have enough resources for people that do grow up and you know like they're being taken care of for the most part by their parents or their loved ones but do we have enough resources to help people with autism that want to be on their own that or they could be on their own
2: There are there are resources. I'm not too sure uh, on on a nationwide basis, but there are definitely resources for um, adults who have autism, who are living with various disabilities um, as they get older uh, because, you know, their parents aren't always going to be there. So there are, you know, there are group homes, there are nonprofit agencies that um, provide assisted living or provide uh, support or even um, independent living for individuals with disabilities or individuals living with autism. So there are resources um, here in Chicago, at least, and I'm pretty sure around the nation. Um, that I can only speak for the vicinity of my area, but yeah, there are there are quite a few resources out there for individuals living with autism and in individuals living with disabilities in general.
1: And would you be able to, like, because I'm sure I have some listeners in Chicago, like, would you be able to, like, tell us a little bit or how to find them? Obviously, Googling would be the first step. But, like, since you know of some, like, would you be able to share some of those? That way, yeah, like, absolutely. if somebody's listening that has a family member, know somebody that has that has autism, like, that way they can help them.
2: Sure. So I used to work at the school uh, in Countryside, which is a suburb. Of Chicago it's called Helping Hand uh, School for Children with Autism that's in countryside Illinois so that's a school a therapeutic school for children who uh, may struggle with uh, academics or who may struggle with um, with uh, learning um, and that's a therapeutic school that provides occupational therapy that provides you know, speech therapy um, just developmental support to increase their development um, At a young age, but there are also uh, agencies around Chicago, such as Misericordia, uh, that provide group homes for individuals living with autism or individuals living with disabilities. Um, There, yeah. So uh, another one is United Cerebral Palsy. So that's another one in Chicago. uh, That another agency in Chicago that provides services for individuals living with uh, disabilities. but again, Google is a good resource, acting or asking uh, your uh, primary care physician or even your local mental health uh, agency. Um, the place that I work for is called Segwin, UCP Segwin, Greater Chicago. units here in Chicago as well that we serve individuals living with autism, but also individuals living with various disabilities such as cerebral palsy um, or again, autism. So.
1: Yeah well um anybody listening if you know somebody or you yourself have somebody that has autism um there you go there's some some resources and obviously google and i don't think i should tell you guys because that's like the first thing you guys should do but like if you are in somewhere in chicago living in i think you live in illinois correct correct so yeah and or in illinois like Take advantage, right, take advantage of those resources. So let's get to know Cleo, or oh, Chloe, my bad. <laughs> Chloe, you know, she's the the main character in your book, I Am Me POC. So tell us about Chloe and um, about the book. Sure, so
2: Chloe is actually my niece. Um, she is my second born niece, my sister's niece, or my sister's daughter, sorry. Um, I have two nephews and two nieces, Chloe is the second oldest, and she, I was inspired to write this book um, because of my own experience being a POC, but also inspired by the clients that I work for and also by my nieces and nephews. Um, So basically the book is called I Am Me POC and it's about um, a little girl named Chloe, Uh, the character is based off my niece, who has just amazing goals and aspirations, you know? And basically, uh, Chloe can do anything. She can um, dance and sing. She can do anything that anyone else can do, you know? So the book is basically just sort of to increase representation for people of color, but to also inform others that just because they have different skin color, have a different skin color than, you know, the norm or typical American or individual living in America, just because they have a different skin color or color of skin, um, that they are no different than you know a white person or someone who identifies within the mainstream culture. Um, so this normalizes what it means to be a person of color, which really doesn't mean anything. It just means that you're a human being, you know? Um, so in the book, Chloe has aspirations of becoming a doctor when she gets older, you know? Um, so it's also trying to break that stereotype for, for people of color because we see, you know, the media puts people of color in various categories. So, you know, if you're black, then you, you are automatically going to be an athlete. You know, that's one stereotype. Um, if you're Asian, you're automatically going to be good at math. Um, if you're white, you're going to be a lawyer, you know. Um, so in this book, it kind of hopefully breaks down that stereotype of you know, of forced people of color. Um, and again, it, it just talks about Chloe and her siblings and how being a POC is no different from being you know, a white person. So, uh, her little sister in the book plays basketball and skates, you know. And um, I'm also trying to break down gender roles, so just because her little sister's a girl doesn't necessarily mean she can't play sports like she's playing basketball you know in the book one of the pictures in the book shows boys and sisters shooting hoops you know and also skating ice skating so um it also breaks down limitations for little girls um of color as well
1: and so so like what what do you hope to accomplish with this because um i know you're like this is pretty much towards kids so what do you hope to accomplish within like children
2: yeah so what i hope to do is i hope to really just just uh normalize diversity at a young age i'm trying to help children and and their families talk about diversity at a young age so that when they get older so when these kids do get older um they are a not afraid of being a person of color in society b are open to other people of color um but i'm also trying to increase uh advocacy for people of color as well. So um, the term person of color is a fairly new term. Uh, people usually call us minorities, you know, the mainstream culture calls us minorities. And the word minority is pejorative. So it has a negative connotation saying like, we are less than the mainstream culture, or we are less than the majority culture. So um, it's the book is kind of educational in 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 the fact that it does you know, outline what POC means and um, it's a good uh, abbreviation to identify a person of color rather than using minority or rather than using you know a, a pejorative term to identify someone in the marginalized uh, diverse community. Um, utilizing appropriate language is sort of preferred uh, to sort of empower the community rather than to suppress or oppress uh, people of color mm-hmm.
1: in our community so yeah yeah i mean i i actually i rather use that term <laughs> to be honest than minority or like i know urban and you know that's another label that we get like we're urban but i guess being urban like kind of like I don't know what how I take it is saying that we can't live in the suburbs or we can't live somewhere that's safe. Like being urban is dangerous or something. Right, right, right. Yeah, I rather be <laughs> I rather be labeled as PLC than the other two. Cause yeah. Right. So and I also know that you just um you're gonna come out with a simple book on how to be correct.
2: Right, a simple book on how to be right. So
1: right. um tell us about that one. A little preview of what we could uh expect and what's a little what's about. So. Maybe the listeners want to get all three at once. So maybe you could tell us when it um, comes out. I don't know if you already have the date yet, but.
0: So I
2: actually, I did release it this week. So it's out right now, but I'm not promoting it just yet. Um, just because of the circumstances, but it is out there too, for uh, individuals to buy. And it's based on my nephew who's, who's, uh, who identifies as trans. Um, and basically a simple book on how to be is sort of a, a little guide for kids on how to be and it's basically just to be an advocate to be accepting to be um, to be you know just just kind and generous um, and most importantly uh, to be yourself uh, so at the end of the book it's basically just you know the, the main character coming to terms on um, his identity and uh, accepting uh, who he is and just showcasing his, his uh, identity to the world. Um, and that identity is a trans identity, you know. So it's it's a very, it's a very non-conventional children's book in that it does represent um, the LGBTQ community, more specifically the trans community. It shows a lot of trans representation, especially at the end of the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, the book is very non-conventional. It's not your normal ch- uh, children's book. It's it's sort of liberal in in the sense that it, it's uh, it's a trans affirmative children's book. So. Um, I I wrote the book with the intention that there is no, there is no representation or very limited representation for trans individuals, um, for trans children, for for children who identify as trans. So I did want to write this book to sort of show show that um, representation for the trans community, more specifically, um, the children who identify as trans in our community. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> no, yeah. and No, no. I'm sorry. You were saying, you were speaking still.
2: Oh, uh, no. And I was just also going to say that it, it, the book y- uses uh, sort of, I don't know, I, w- I would say like a, a a pun. So every word that should be spelled B-E is spelled B-E-E. So it's like the the book is um, a, ba- a simple book on how to be, and the word B is spelled B-E-E. It's just this... Uh, that goes
1: along with the illustrations so and i mean i personally i appreciate what you're doing you pretty much hit, you're hitting people with um being comfortable with themselves basically on all aspects and also understanding that if you're a little different um in the case of uh, um, my friend has autism mm-hmm. um being like accepting of others you know like they might even though they might be a little different you they're still not you know there's really not no differences they still function in this world just like any of us they just have to do something different and that doesn't make them different it's just we all are different like we all like things dislike things and there's things that they like and dislike and that that's all that that keeps us a little different but other than that we're all human beings in this world trying to function so
2: yeah i mean in the in the end we all bleed the same basically mm -hmm. we all bleed red so we're all humans just like you said
1: and i mean i i do uh, the uh, this book i was gonna ask you if you were planning to do something with like queer or with identification so i mean this is a perfect book so with this one is this one available to the public
2: right now it's available yes so it's currently on on amazon uh you can find it on my uh you can find it on my website uh, okay but you can also search for it on amazon
1: so um I bought the I bought the IME POC, but I'll, I'll cause I'm gonna do a giveaway. I'm planning to do a giveaway, but in this case, um I think you kinda assembled the what's it called? The Avengers, the 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 stones, the <laughs> infinity stones. I think you kinda assembled the infinity stones for how to be a person in this world. So um I Social am gonna justice. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So she just yeah. And um so um I'll get those three books. But I think the most important question out of, like, the, this whole interview um, that I want to ask you is, um, is is kickball life? Is, is kickball life? Yeah, kickball life. Kickball? Yeah. Don't you play kickball?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do. I, I play kickball. Yeah, kickball is life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you're, like, a champion, right? You won a couple yeah, trophies.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you sure did.
1: So, like, um... How, what got you into kickball? Like, especially as an adult, like, I, I feel it's cut pretty hard like, like, you know, playing with other adults.
2: Right, so it, as a therapist, what we do is we advocate for a community. You know, we mm-hmm. advocate to, to form a community because when you form a community, you form connection among people. So when you form connection among people, you create happiness. Mm-hmm. So I, I preach that to a lot of my clients, especially when I worked at Center on Halstead, uh, the Agency for LGBTQ Individuals. Um, so then I thought to myself, you know, I wanted to create a sort of community for my own self. So I found um, a league, it was a gay men's league, which I joined and I met a, a lot of good people who I'm still friends with, good friends with now. And um, yeah, just joining that, playing sports as an adult really increases your uh, positive mood. So. Okay. It's just a
1: hobby on the side. <laughs> yeah, well, that was my attempt of bringing some some comedy or like <laughs> you know. So yeah, so um, so we're pretty much um, I'm out of questions. I think okay. we've got to know you a little bit and uh, what you do. Obviously, there's more layers to you, but uh, I don't know if I missed anything that you want the listeners to know about you or, or what you do. Um, let them know before we end it. Um, no, I I
2: think you touched on everything. Um, you can follow me on instagram dundee Duhildee. uh i don't know i don't want to spell it right now but <laughs> yeah. um you can find me on instagram yeah, <laughs> my name and, is pretty complicated
1: but no, yeah and all the, all your social media and your website where they can find your books uh they'll be available this is just an option like maybe some like people are like audio like they they do things audio i mean i'm a person that likes to touch and do things so it's just, you know, I'm trying to give them an option for them to, if they want to spell it as they're hearing it, they can, but, um, Try all this,
2: if you want,
1: no, so, I'll, I'll, do that. I'll do that in the introduction. You don't got to worry about that. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know if you have any questions for me before we end it. No, no
2: questions. Um, just keep me posted on whenever it's going
1: to be uh, available to listen so yeah all right so i'm going to end the recording but i'll talk to you once i um, we're still going to stay on the screen obviously okay
0: cool
1: all right cool well thank you guys for listening and i'll talk to you guys in a bit all right guys so that was the interview with Dandy Gahildi. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode like i said you could follow him at dk hildi on instagram that's d g-u-j-i-l-d-e and make sure you click on his link tree to find his books i am me poc my friend has autism but he is no different from me and his brand new book a simple book on how to be so hopefully you guys like i said enjoy this episode make sure you add me at let me know pod on instagram and facebook make sure you leave me a five-star review on itunes uh, share the podcast with your friends the more attention we get the more attention dandy will get and um, the more people he, he'd be able to help with this books. So, yeah. So, um, like I said, hopefully you guys are enjoying your day. Hopefully you guys are enjoying your week. And if you guys have any questions, don't hesitate. Send me a message on Instagram or Facebook. Or you can email me at letmenopod at gmail.com. And if you guys would like to support the show financially, make sure you go grab a t-shirt at teespring.com slash pod And use the promo code Let me know. Or a podcast, so you can save 20%. My suggestion is sending me a DM with the picture of the item that you want, and I'll get it at my rate. That way I can save you guys some money. And at the same time, I get to know you and who is supporting the show. Alright, guys, with all that said, I hope you guys are having a great day. And make sure you go grab Dundee's book. And thank you guys for letting me be part of your day. I right, guys so next time I'll see you. Bye. <laughs>